Absolutely. So uh, today we are going to be talking about challenge, change, control. Uh, this is a deep dive um, as far as from inbound 2019. Not everybody got the opportunity to see the session. Um, not everybody can be at inbound in general. And one of the things I took away from inbound, Oliver, is, man, I want the masses to be able to get some of the great things that happen at inbound. And plus it teases out why you might want to be there next year. So with that said, we're going to go ahead. It is 12.05. Let me go ahead and introduce Oliver Lopez. He is going to be talking to us about challenge, change, control. It's all things sales and process and people. And while you signed up for the webinar, you know exactly what it's about. So Oliver, why don't you go ahead and take it away? Thank you. So, I mean, um, it's, um, it's a bit different doing a webinar than doing it live because I tend to like walk among uh, the people and ask questions and stuff. So I've kind of uh, adjusted this to be more in a webinar format, but it's going to be, be pretty much the same thing. So challenge change control is, it's all about like what we've been seeing in B2B sales for the last few years is that the ROI spreadsheets and, and like, uh, doing your math and, and understanding the logic be, behind uh, doing a deal is kind of the base foundation today. You need more than that because if you don't have the ROIs, you're not going to get in the room. But if you do have the ROIs, you need to you need to make people feel things. So you need to challenge them. You need to to change the way their perception, the way they think, and you need to control the process. So. <clears throat> If we if we go to the first one, which is the first question I I, uh, I asked what, during this uh, talk, uh, what is most important when dealing with prospects? And I have a I have a square where I have four different uh, options. So the first one is like is price the way you price your product is that the most important thing in a, in a customer uh, seller dialogue? Is the product itself with the features and benefits and and the blue and red lights and, and whatever it comes with the product, is that the most important thing? Is it the feeling? It makes you feel in a specific way, working, doing stuff with this solution, this product, or is it actually the relationship with the seller? So you don't have to answer this because you're in the chat pane, but I'll give you the, I'll give you the, uh, like the results I got when I, when I asked this during my session. There were a few people uh, focusing on the price, that we need to price our products correctly. We need to focus on being very price aggressive, which I, I think is the total, totally the wrong way to focus on it. It's Most people uh, lean to, to the relationship part of it. So we need to have a good relationship with the one we're buying from as the customer. I'm going to say that every every one of these four is important. The least important one is the price. And the product. So the feeling and the relationship. So what, what happened today, what's happening today in sales is that you have to deserve your relationship. You have to bring something to the table, which makes it a good relationship. So and you also to be able to bring something to the table, you need to 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 make the customer feel either like happy or sad. Or I, I normally use the tumble dryer as an example. You need to throw the client in the tumble dryer and make her feel every emotion in the world and get out from the tumble dryer and not really know where she is and where she's going. Because the next slide is uh, the customer is always, and when I ask people this, most, the most common answer is the customer is always right. So I, 
I think the customer is not always, but most of the times actually wrong. What do I mean by saying that the customer is wrong? I mean that the customer has a lot of information. They're, they're, they've been Googling a lot of stuff. They're trying to put one and one together, at, but they're trying to solve a puzzle, which is really complex. So when challenging the customer, and I mean challenging uh, in a good way, it is a good thing because what we do when we challenge the customer, it, we make them think in a new way. We make them like uh, see things from a different perspective. Uh, and the truth is, if everyone agrees, no changes will ever be made. If everybody is a happy camper and everybody is happy together and there is no tension, no changes will ever be made. So we need to challenge, but in a proactive, in a supportive way. And how do we like, when do we start challenging? Well, in the discovery phase of the sales process, this is where we need to get to the root cause of the problem and not the symptoms. So basically when a client is trying to solve a problem, most of the, in most of the cases, they're trying to solve a symptom and not the real problem. So to, to get to the root cause, we do this by asking questions, which, which I'm going to get to uh, momentarily. Uh, because if we if we look at the, the, the view of the world from a customer perspective, um, the customer conducts the research necessary to find out which vendor, which product, which solution, which pro uh, problem she's trying to solve. But as she's doing uh, the research, she actually understands that she's lacking the holistic view. So, so basically, uh, it's, it's like uh, before an election. If, I have, if I'm convinced I'm right or left, I'm going to Google myself to, to actually make me even more convinced that I'm right or left. But if somebody enters my, uh, into the discussion and the dialogue with me and gives me different perspectives, I'm going to see things in a different way. And, and a really good word and a really good framework to find out what the real challenge and problem is and what kind of a challenge the customer is trying to solve is to use one specific word. And that word is why. And if we connect this to, uh, to like, why am I asking why? Well, because I want to know the reason for the client asking whatever kind of a question she might be asking. So I want to have a fast delivery. Apart from asking why is it important for you to have a fast delivery, I would say by fast delivery, what do you actually mean by fast delivery? So normally when I speak, I tend to compare a salesperson to somebody in psychology so or a politician, actually. You, you don't answer questions directly. You, you dig deeper down into the reason for the question, even arousing from the beginning. So, so why? Why are you trying to do this? What, what are you actually trying to achieve? Another thing when we do the discovery is to go back to the tumble dryer. We want to know, like, if you do this, dear customer, what would be the best case scenario and what would be the worst case scenario? So what could be the best thing happening or the worst thing happening? And if you ask them additional questions, that they're going to answer you and tell you that, well, depending on uh, what I decide to do, this is the best uh, the best way I could go, and this is the worst thing that could happen. And if we stay on the worst case, because what tends to trigger us as people is like if we're scared and, and, and we're feeling kind of, I don't want to go down that path, uh, the worst case is something that is more effective than a positive outcome. That is my experience. 
So we, we need to focus on what could actually happen if you don't if you do nothing, because most companies and most deals when they stall, the reason is that the customer doesn't they don't they don't they, they do not change at all. Nothing happens. So we need to give them kind of paint a picture of what actually could happen if they do not change, because not doing anything means that you're actually doing something at the same time. So back to the why. So there is a company and there is a lean methodology using the Toyota way or the, the, the four or the five whys. So why are you doing this? Why is this important for you? Why would you need to do X, Y, Z? And, and, and why you're trying to do this right now? And if you pull this, like if you summarize this in a few different questions, it would be, I, I normally ask a client, so tell me more about why do you want to change? That's the first one. Second one is, why do you want to change right now? And the third one is, why do you want to change and do this together with me? Because if they can't answer those three whys, they really, they're really not set up for changing. There needs to be, there needs to be a timeline. There needs to be a, a real reason for them to changing. And they need to, to tell me why they're doing it with somebody like an external consultant or vendor and not doing it by themselves. So again, we need to get down to the root, like problem and cause why they're doing this if there is one. So, so let's go to the challenge. Back to the challenge way. You can challenge in different different ways. Um, in this picture, I've I've kind of put up. This is the way most sellers are selling today. From the left, they focus on their product. They focus on their solution, which the product actually gives the customer a kind of a solution, which makes the customer come to an insightful moment where they say, wow, I never knew that we could reach this far together with you guys. What I normally tend to do uh, when I when I show uh, my clients this uh, slide is I want to change the insight box with a product box. And what does that actually mean? It means that what if we get rid of the product or the toolbox, which I normally call it, you get to a con construction site and you, you have a toolbox. You don't know if you're going to use the hammer, uh, if you're going to use the screwdriver or, or whatever you're going to do because you don't have the big all of the picture yet. So you need to talk to the client and ask them. So let's say uh, Inbound is a HubSpot event. Uh, you uh, as well as we are partners to HubSpot. So if somebody approaches me and says, I want to buy HubSpot CRM, uh, some vendors would say, nice. Which one do you want to have the starter, the professional or the enterprise version? I would say, uh, tell me more about buying a CRM and why HubSpot. Tell me more what you're going to use it to. Tell me more about your organization, your company, like your challenges. Uh, and let's see if it's a good fit. By the way, you want to buy a CRM. You're a sales manager. So I take it that you have the sales process in place. You're coaching your salespeople on a weekly basis. You have the right people in the right spot. You're targeting the right potential clients. And when I ask those questions, normally when I get back uh, in the phone, it's like, well, not, not really. Okay, good. So, so let's then focus on what you're trying to achieve, which is, again, moving insight and product and making them replace one another. So let's say that you, you want to you close more deals. Good. Why do you want to close more deals? Because I want to, uh, basically at the end, you want to keep your job and you want to keep your sales force. You don't want to sack people and bring in a, a bunch of marketers because salespeople are not closing enough business, right? 
Good. Yes. So what does that mean to you like in, in figures, in revenue, in, 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 in clean data? How much money are you going to do, do, do you need to close? How many clients do you need to retain, et cetera, et cetera? So where would you be in 24 months if we, we are like where we are now, 24 months down, what would your life look like? Tell me more about that. And I'll tell you if you want to, if you need to buy a CRM or if you need a workshop or if you need to buy nothing, just spend more time in the office coaching your salespeople. So, so basically, it's a very normal reaction to, to, to buy a product and, and ask for a product. It, it, it's as normal for salespeople to answer product-related questions, give discounts, uh, discuss uh, tech specs and whatever. So if we can focus on the insights and just like take the toolbox, hide it in a closet somewhere and do not speak about it until it's time to do that when you know how to use it. Because at the end, and I love Star Wars, which I guess many people do in my age and even younger as well. So if you have uh, watched Star Wars, you have uh, Luke Skywalker and he's the freaking hero. And uh, we have Yoda. But who's who? I mean, who is the customer and who is the seller? I would say that without Yoda, uh, Mr. Skywalker would never be so successful as he actually is. So you are actually not the hero when you're selling your products and services. You are the guide because you need to guide your customer to the right decision and make them buy or not buy from you. Because this is another thing. I meet, I meet with a lot of clients and sometimes I actually tell them, hey, maybe you should buy from this company or maybe you should do this instead of talking to us right now. Either you're too big, happens a few times, but mostly it's too small. You don't have the, 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 the willingness or, or the possibility to invest, to grow. So, so go for a free version and, and do some freebie work with a smaller like company or agency. And then when you've grown, you're very much welcome back to us and we can do some real strategic work and help you with your challenges. So, so again, you're not there to take a lot of uh, space and be the, uh, be the hero. You're the guide. Because at the end, what you provide, uh, connected back to the three boxes, you provide insights. You should be providing insights uh, because this is what you, what you need to do. Um, and if you don't provide insights, well, basically, you're not doing sales uh, in the way you should be uh, doing sales. You're actually pushing your product and that's it. And what is then, what is it, can we define what an insight is? I think we can. So I'll define an insight as something which leads the customer to the unique values you can offer using your product and services. So, so again, uh, it leads the customer to your product and services. It doesn't talk to your customer. It doesn't give your customer the product and services. It gives them a path where they can actually, at the end, find out that, wow, this product helped me solve my challenges on a short and a long term. So that's an insight. So whenever you're selling and meeting with a client, the focus should be to provide something new, something valuable, something insightful. And, and when a customer says, wow, I never, I never thought about it in that way, or this is new information for me, then you've actually hit a really good spot. And I would say every, every single, if you're in B2B sales, specifically if you're doing kind of complex, uh, long sales cycle stuff, uh, expensive products and services, the first meeting should have only one goal, 
and that goal should be to have a, a second meeting with the client. Because regardless of what you discussed during the first meeting, if you provided enough value and insights, you're going to have meeting number two with the client because they're not going to give you an additional 45 minutes or 60 minutes if you don't give them enough value when, the, when you meet them the first time. And I, uh, I normally like I compare this to dating. I've uh, many years ago since I was single, I have two kids now and uh, uh, and I'm happily almost married. I actually got engaged at inbound a few years ago. Still not married. I'm working on it. But if you're on a bad date, what is a bad date? A bad date is somebody, when you have a date with somebody talking about themselves all the time, they ask you no questions. They're not showing any interest in what you what you do and, and the challenges and you have in your life. You're not going to meet with a person for a second date. Same thing. So you go from like if you're selling products and you're focusing on yourself, you go directly from a flirt to a marriage and it's it's a bit like it's it's a bit to, to stretch it because you need to do like you need to touch base a few times before the flirt and the marriage. So think about dating when you think about selling. And and to give you like an example of what this could look like, uh, this is what I call a value chain. So if you position yourself as the um, the seller, you have the first level where the customer says, "I don't need your help. You bring me zero value." The second one is where you actually help the client to buy. So you, you, you understand me as a client. You educate me in my business and my business challenges. Third one, you guide me. So you guide me to the right solution. Again, to the way I think and the way I choose. You guide me with this. Number four is you actually become my partner. So you're my partner in crime. You are my, my resource for making really strategic and, and important and good decisions. And the final one is that you're actually the key to my success. So without you, I cannot deliver value for my company and my clients in the same way. There is a reason why salespeople, when they change employers, they they stay with the same clients. And I've, I've trained salespeople who actually changed industry but still had the same clients because it was never about the product or the company they represented or the solution. It was about them as an individual. Like I'm buying you and your expertise. And regardless of what you're selling, you're going to understand how to put things in perspective and help me solve the puzzle I'm trying to solve. Where I, by the way, I have 10 pieces, but I'm missing the last two. And you have them because you're an advisor. You're somebody giving me the full uh, view of the puzzle. Um, so let's go to let's go to the emotion versus logic uh, discussion. So in B two C, in many many years, it's been pretty uh, common that you're buying with emotions and not as much with ROI and spreadsheets way, way of thinking. But the last couple of years, you're buying. Basically in the same way if you're in B2B. Because again, if you don't feel anything strongly enough, you won't change. And if it's a big a big deal, it's it's a big chunk of money, it's there is a lot of risk involved, you need to feel something like in either direction to actually change. And the most of us make decisions with our hearts, even in B2B. And and not to throw out like like figures and, and, and numbers, but I would like I would guess like 70, 30 on emotion, even more maybe in B2B. Yes, not only B2C. So I'll give you an example. 
This is a company, uh, Black & Decker. This is an example from maybe 10, 12 years ago, where this company, uh, they were challenged by a Chinese provider who sold really cheap drills and they started to gain uh, gain a marketplace and, and uh, actually steal a few other clients from Black & Decker who actually sold high-quality drills to, to, to people who paid a lot of money for the drills. So... The management of Black & Decker did what every every management uh, does. They brought in a consultant, a management consultant, to find out why are we losing uh, customers to a small Chinese provider uh, when they don't have the same quality, they don't have a track record, whatever it might be. So the consultant asked uh, the management group uh, during the meeting, uh, I know that you, you say that you're, you're selling like drills and that's what you do, but that's not actually what you sell, is it? And the CEO went, what do you mean? We sell the best drills on the market, best quality, lifetime value, skyrocketing. Okay, good. But I still don't think that you're selling drills. And he started to get a, a bit annoyed and he went like, I don't, I don't know what you mean. We're still the best product on the market. It has a lifetime of seven, eight years of usage, uh, yada, yada, yada. So the consultant once again asked, no, if you really think, think this through, what, what do you actually sell? George, you've seen the slides, so you're kind of biased, but like, what do you think is, uh, before you saw the slide, uh, I, like, like, how do you think about this? I mean, this is a product, but actually, at the end, you do something, you reach, reach a, like a goal with the drill, like, what is it actually you're selling? Yeah, it's it's difficult not to answer in the right way because, <laughs> right, you, you want to say something like, well, I'm hanging a picture or I'm fixing something, but... But because I'm going to go ahead and cheat and get us into where you're going, uh, we're we're selling the whole. That's what we're selling. Yes, yes, we are selling the whole. And you took it a step further, which I did during my co- uh, talk as well. You're actually not selling the whole. You're selling a picture on the wall. And again, you're selling the moment when you're sitting down with a glass of wine Friday evening, looking at that gorgeous picture on your wall. That is a feeling. That is not a product. That is what you feel. And uh, I have a few additional examples uh, regarding like if we compare marketing and sales, this is a sales track, but I'm totally convinced as most people today are who are inbounders that marketing and sales is actually pretty much the same thing. We're getting together more and more, even though we have specialities and we're good at different things. Uh, This picture uh, shows a sales perspective of somebody hitchhiking and a marketing perspective. So the sales perspective says to Jacksonville and the marketing perspective says to moms for Christmas. Again, I mean, the first thing, very logical. I'm going from A to B. Can you please take me there? The second one, I want to meet with my family for Christmas. Totally emotion. Same thing. They're getting, they're going to the same place, but in two different ways. Another one. So sales. We're selling the top of the line a phone with a volume-based plan. We are cheaper than the competition. We have a greater data plan. We have a better camera, whatever it might be product-related. The next slide is a marketing version. Can you hear me now? Good. This is actually a Verizon uh, ad from a few years back. It's like, can you, I mean, most of us can relate to the feeling when you're trying to talk to somebody and it just breaks up. I, I don't care if it's like, the most beautiful phone in the world and I can surf, uh, do whatever I want to do with it. 
if I can't speak on the phone, it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's about like, it's feelings again. Again, it's feelings. And M&Ms, the next one, comes in different colors. Wow, product. Uh, discount for the big bag. It's cheaper if you buy the big one and then two smaller ones. And I guess everyone listening knows what the marketing message is, right? So the marketing me- message is it melts in your mouth, not in your hands. What's the difference between those two approaches? Who wants to be sitting with M&M's chocolate stains in their hands going into a meeting or wherever they're going? Feeling again. And if we if we actually... If we take this down to, to one, one conclusion, everything we do is content. So regardless if we're doing this in pitching or, or speaking or sending emails or, or doing webinars, we're communicating stuff. And as we're doing this, we're also communicating a feeling. So in everything we do, we need to connect something that makes the customer feel something. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end up with two of my, before we have the final slide, two of my absolute favorites. And, and one of them is the company Revlon. <clears throat> company Revlon says, the founder of Revlon says, in the factory, we make cosmetics. Logical. I, I get it. You put like chemical stuff in the face of yourself because you want to feel younger, right? Nobody would do that, like if they're in a, in a normal state of mind. However, what they sell in the store is something different. They sell hope. Even though you logically understand if you're 55 or 65, you're not going to look as a 20-year-old. But there is still a chance that you might like look a few years younger and there's still hope. Like it, when I turned 40, I'm 43. When I turned 40, what did I do? I bought myself a sports car. Not a Ferrari, too expensive. But a really funny car. I had it for roughly one year before I understood that stuffing my two kids and my family in a sports car was not very, that was a really bad decision. I had a good run, like 10 months. Then I, I now have a really big car, which is more practical. Because cause I, I had a good feeling for like 10 months, but then it was kind of, no, I'm going back. I'm being practical. I'm over 40 years old. I have to be practical. But... In the same way as the next one, the final ad I'm going to show you, and actually there are two of them. The first one says, somewhere on an airplane, a man is trying to rip open a small bag of peanuts. If that's not a feeling for you, what is? You can picture yourself sitting in a tight airline seat and you can't breathe and you're going to spill everything on yourself. You're going to get so irritated and you need to, uh, you need to catch the plane when the plane leaves. What if you go whenever you want to go alone on the road with a Harley? Now, that's feeling as well. And the, the, the second one is even better. So it says regrets cost a lot more. So the logic is, why would I buy a Harley motorcycle for the amount that I can buy a car? That's totally crazy. No, I'll do it because I don't want to be 85 years old sitting there and regretting, regretting that I didn't have a Harley when I was 50. Again, emotion, emotion, emotion. So, so to summarize uh, this, uh, what if, and this is from Joe Polizzi in his book, Killing Marketing from 2017. This is a marketing guy, but I would say like the one, those of us in sales, this is really, uh, I mean, interesting for us to understand and, and take uh, and, and do something with. Like he says, what if 
placing marketing solely in the marketing department is killing the approach of marketing as a strategic business process. This is, uh, I think this is one of the biggest challenges we're seeing today, why uh, quite a few companies are not getting traction with inbound marketing because they are seeing this as a marketing initiative. Like one of my fellow speakers at Inbound, everybody in the Inbound community knows this guy. Uh, it's Marcus Sheridan. Marcus Sheridan, what does this guy say? He says that you need to call it a sales initiative. And I totally agree. Anything you do within inbound and marketing stuff, if you connect this to sales and business, then you have traction and then things are going to happen. So so marketing and sales, I mean, guys, today, it's pretty, pretty much the same thing in most areas, even though it isn't like, but it's still really, really the same thing. So to finalize, like, what if everything we know to be true about marketing is actually what's holding back our business? So I've seen, uh, I've seen like during the last inbounds where I've been attending and speaking, uh, I think it's crazy. I don't know what you think, Thomas. I, I, it's like if we go back eight, seven, eight, nine years, sales marketing alignment, there's a big challenge. We're not talking to one another. We have silos. We're not generating business. It's pretty much the same thing today in too many organizations. Like, and I, I the reason why. Um, there are a lot of reasons, and that would be another webinar, but, but I think it's tragic because if, if we really understand that emotions, which might be a marketing thing, if salespeople can embrace emotions and use this in the sales process, we would be so much better off. We would meet with more clients. We would close more deals. We would have longer-term relationships than we do today when we're too much focusing on the deal and the business and not the relationship. And to connect back to relationship, you deserve a good relationship by challenging, by by using emotions to make them change and by controlling the process. That's what you do when you when you uh, uh, when you're successful in sales uh, today. So I'm going to round it up uh, off with uh, uh, the three words of the talk. Uh, so challenge, the first one, first takeaway, challenge and educate your buyer and every single time you can. And by challenging, and this is important, it has nothing to, nothing to do with being arrogant or, or being aggressive in the way you sell. It's all about deserving the right to challenge, like being a pair with a client and being an advisor, being somebody who's actually built trust. That's the first thing. Change. So you need to induce the willingness to change. And how do we change? We feel things. So we feel things which makes us uh, change. If we don't feel enough, if the gap is not big enough, we're not going to change. And you need to control the process. By controlling the process, I mean that you need to approach your client with the right uh, information at the right time. And you need to use marketing collateral and you need to use your sales meetings and you need to combine everything together so that you can have a control of the process. And, and that's basically it. So, so the takeaway is that, but again, if I were to choose one, it is the big red heart. It is emotions. It is to speak to a human being as another human being and make them feel something. Thank you. And uh, the final slide, if you want to connect with me, I'm all over LinkedIn and all social channels. You know that, Thomas, as are you. And uh I uh, I founded Strike Sales ten years ago, and we're a HubSpot partner agency, and we do mostly uh, mostly sales related stuff. 
in terms of the CRM and 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 likes and the likes of that. Thank you.